0: D20 Radio,
1: your gamers role. wwwd 20 radiocom
2: Welcome to me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience.
0: Welcome back to me and Steve Talk RPG. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we have a very special guest. We want to welcome back Miguel Colon from previous episode Clotsies. and here to talk about malpractice and sort of the indie gaming space. But before we get into that, we want to talk about our podcast for the week.
2: Yep. These are a bunch of people that live upside down and drive on the wrong side of the road and play really, really fun to listen to games.
0: And they talk with weird accents. That they do. Yep. This is uh Shared Sagas, an Australian actual play podcast.
2: Mm-hmm. And they play a lot of different stuff. They just wrapped up uh Star Wars game not too long ago and the last couple ones they've they released were is it Trinity Continuum?
0: Yes, Trinity Continuum, which is the um runs on well, Trin- I, I, it's it's aberrant system is basically what it is.
2: Is it I knew it was it was uh Part of the White Wolf, Onyx Path, storyteller, story path family.
0: Yeah, it's in the, it's sort of, uh, what do they call it? Yeah, it's in that world. But it, it, yeah, Trinity Continuum, very cool, very fun. Tom over at Shared Sagas, we've had them, well, had him on before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully have him back soon. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, very, very fun to have a conversation with.
0: But with all that said, let's go
1: ahead and jump into the episode. Yes. So welcome back, Miguel. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, It's it's good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to have you
0: back. You know, Cloud Seas is a really cool game. And then you have another one uh, coming out well out on Kickstarter. Now it's got 21 days to go as we record this. And that's Malpractice. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Malpractice?
1: Right, right. So uh, Malpractice is an experimental game for me. Uh, I made it for Zine Month and with a very low funding goal, so that I can uh, ju- and just recoup at cost, not pay myself, uh, and experiment with a brand new system that I hope people will enjoy. It's uh, the basic story is that you're a new doctor, uh, fresh out of med school, and you unfortunately have to pay back a lot of student loans, something uh, that Oh, paying school and tuition, I know a lot about right now. Uh, (laughs) To speed things along, you uh, decided to join the mob. Uh, (laughs) But uh, in order to continue to work as a doctor, you've got to do your side gig and your main gig whilst balancing the two. Uh, The basic concept of malpractice is that there are three phases. Each day, uh, there is your day job phase. You're a doctor. There is an event phase in which you get to use one of four different skills, and there is a night phase in which you do your night job. The main attraction that, at least I see it as one, is that it's, instead of a dice-based game, it is one based on playing cards. Uh, Your standard deck of 52 playing cards. Cool. Cool. Uh, To give an example of just your basic day phase, starting at first level, because it it does have a leveling up system with perks and things of the sort, you choose an amount of cards, and you hope you pull more hearts than spades for your day job. Going on to your event phase, you are presented with, well, an event, and you decide how you want to handle things, in which case you try to pull as many of the suit that the skill is related to from the deck. And finally, you have your night phase, in which you try to pull more diamonds than clubs. This sounds like it would be very random, uh, especially uh, during the first phase where you have no information, and that is correct. (laughs) Uh, It is not meant to be like that for the entire game. Uh, That's where um, the perks that I mentioned come into play. As you go on, you get more information about the cards in your deck, where they are. Uh, So you would get perks such as look at the first 10 cards in your deck, then decide if they stay on the top in that order or go on to the bottom of the deck. Uh, Perks that let you look at the and choose a number of cards, pick them up, decide if you want to keep that for your hand or just discard them and pick up more cards or a perk that lets you take a number of cards in your hand, shuffle them back in the deck and draw that many cards. Uh, Basically it's a game about information and trying to progress your, uh, progress through things such that you get better and better at, well, balancing your jobs. Okay. Now,
2: is this designed for like solo
1: play or like this is a, a solo play or a, a sort of game. It's a, a, the best way I can describe it is a choose your, choose your own adventure <laughs> in which you are presented with, uh, uh, with different scenarios. Like uh, look at scenario one for day one. This is uh, read this aloud and choose how you want to deal with things draw your cards if you succeed uh look at uh section a if you don't look at section b sort of like you would see in gloomhaven okay and uh, i am developing and playtesting currently a multiplayer aspect of this uh it is uh i will admit very hard to balance a game based on uh (laughs) Um based on a deck of fifty two playing cards and so that aspect may if we get to that goal uh, because it is a uh, that multiplayer mode is a stretch goal uh, will take a little longer to develop mm-hmm it, it is less formulated than the rest of things, but I think that I have a good basis on that. I don't want to give up not too much information because, well, then I might as well just teach you, uh, just go through the rule book that I have right now.
2: No, no, that's cool. No, because like I said, it sounds like, you know, it's it's a thing right now where, so to speak, you're playing it probably by yourself, but I also thought it, it could just be a, a fun angle to kind of, so to speak, have two or three people playing it what do you want to say solo next to each other? And maybe you interact in in either the day phase or the night phase or something like that. You know what I mean? Like just sort of house rule, make it up as you go, but just the more people
1: that are playing, the more decks that you use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the current idea is to, uh, the, the current way I'm building things is if we get to the multiplayer phase, uh, uh it would still be just one deck, and you have to—you'd uh, be limited on the number of cards you can draw at one time, so that one person doesn't say, "I pick up fifty-two cards." Ah. That's, that's fair.
2: <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that—that like that sounds sounds like could be lots of good fun and shenanigans. Ah,
1: uh, so far it is. Uh, it is. Uh, I will say again, uh, definitely an experimental system. It is a smaller game. Uh, it's it's made for Zemo or Zin month so that uh, so it's not going to be a 300 page core rule book sort of game. It's much smaller in scale. Uh, the idea is that uh, the idea behind it was sort of threefold. Uh, one, I wanted to make a smaller game uh, that involved cards. Two, Zemo happened to. <laughs> Uh, zine month happened to fall at this time and I thought hey this would be a great time to do this to see if I and people actually enjoy the system and three it's and this is where I get to reveal my hand a little reveal my hand uh I I ought to be a comedian um (laughs) but it's also something that I'm doing because in down the line, I do want to make a much meatier sort of card-based game. Uh, okay. That is something we can talk about if you want to talk about uh, and talk about it, but uh, because it is but it is still down the line because I, I, there is a lot of playtesting that needs to happen for that one.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we can kind of kick towards that at least, I think, if, if you want, or if you have a little more you want to talk about Malpractice.
1: Uh well, you know. yeah. Uh, I, um, well, with malpractice again, short, uh, shorter game. Uh, we decide. Uh, I decided to keep design costs as low as possible, uh, which is, is sort of in the spirit of Zine Month. So I wanted to make sure that I used only the uh, amount of art necessary to make it look appealing. And for the rest of the things, I'm using public domain images and Photoshop skills in order to uh, make things fit a, so- a certain theme. Right now, I have a comic book-esque aesthetic going on, black and white, but I wanted to make it so that when the Kickstarter launched and the way it's going right now, it seems like I'm achieving that goal. It is very affordable to get in. I don't. I'm just trying to recoup the costs. I'm going to be doing editing, layout, and writing on my own. Well, writing is almost done, but editing and layout will be done on my own. Uh, the image editing was done on my own. The only thing that I had to pay for was the uh, the layout software, Affinity, and the art. Uh, the uh, small amounts of art there is
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like if nothing else, you're teaching yourself a lot of useful skills for the future with it.
1: Oh yes, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a part of the reason I wanted to do this so badly, uh, because I can't keep as a small as a small indie dev. I am am a, I'm a, I, I'm a fish in an ocean right now, and in order to make sure that I. As this small fish uh, continue to survive, I've got to make sure that I teach myself as many skills as possible to present myself as many opportunities as possible.
2: Sounds extremely logical to me.
1: Um, it's, well, it's, it's the reason I'm getting to learn affinity. It's the reason I'm getting to learn image editing uh, just so that I can... Uh, and doing it with a smaller project so that I don't just overwhelm myself when i get finally get to that bigger project that i mentioned before
3: oh yeah no
2: that that like that, that makes perfect sense you know like you said you know small bites that you can manage and and like you said you build skills that you can then apply to bigger bigger things down the road you know i think that's that's how a lot of things i think start in in the you know the, the real indie side of the industry you, know, you have stuff like um you know before we started recording we were actually in our general voice chat channel on the discord. And uh, we're talking about a little bit about a game called iron sworn, which um, I, I have it. I haven't read it yet, but it's a, it's a PBTA variant kind of a gritty fantasy, but the, you know, the original effort again, like you used a lot of, you know, public domain images, that kind of stuff, you know, the more work into the system. You know, it's a more detailed system than, than what you have here by appearances anyway. But, That was very much, you know, the guy did it and presented a lot of things and it caught on. And then he ended up doing another version of the system that's, I think, a little more sci-fi based. And when he took that to Kickstarter, he did really, really well with that. You know, people would, you know, he'd, so to speak, built a reputation with the
1: small products.
2: And when, you know, he wanted to do something bigger, he had the fan base there.
1: And I, I absolutely get that. Uh, because I, I'm not just working on, for example, Kickstarter stuff. This is my second Kickstarter. Um, I I wanted to put it out there uh, primarily for Zemo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I am currently working on a number of smaller projects to sort of build that fan base, build that following, be more and uh, be be it so that I'm more. Known in the community. Uh, I I have. Huge success with my. Previous Kickstarter Cloud C, And I'm extremely grateful. To the, to the community for that. But I also want to. I don't want to stagnate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so I'm taking. Smaller projects. I'm taking. Uh, these. Miniature steps forward. Uh, such that when I finally. Decide to go ahead and do something huge, people know that they're getting quality.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think that, you know, like you said, you know, cloud C deals with some heavier themes in, in, in certain ways where at malpractice, yes, the the student loans, student debt is a serious thing, but you've taken a, a much, I'm going to guess anyway, just my vibe on it, reading the Kickstarter pages is maybe a little more comedic in, in certain ways.
1: Oh yes, definitely more tongue in cheek. Uh, uh, primarily because uh, it, it's it's something that I had to take a look at and decide. Hmm. Do I want to go ahead and I'll I I, I want to go ahead and laugh at myself uh, a little bit. Uh, so I got the scariest thing I can think of, which was a nurse with a giant needle as the mascot. I looked kind of cute, and I was horrified by that. <laughs> but uh, I'm now using it to poke fun at myself, and uh, this idea of, well, I'm swimming in bills. Got to pay them. How can I uh, how can I do it? Well, I wish I could join the mob. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah,
2: I mean, I don't know at all. I, I mean, it, it looks fun and entertaining. And and like you said, you know, it's, it's not anything. I mean, it's not expensive to, to back it. You know, whether you go for, as you did with your previous model, where you're getting the print on demands for cost to the, the backer is just going to be shipping on top of your pledge. Am I, am I getting that correct? That's what I thought I had seen.
1: Right. Uh, we're doing at cost, uh, PODs. Uh, so, once the PDFs go out and the codes go out, uh, all all that's left is shipping for the pe- uh, for the people to pay. And it's uh, I'm doing it that way primarily because that's what I know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and because I don't want to get ahead of myself with print runs. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that just yet. I'm I'd be the first to admit. So I don't want to take off more than i can chew
2: oh that's yeah that's that's a a whole nother kettle of fish and i've heard some some people who've been in the industry longer you know for quite a long time talk about how even even having experience at it that can be really treacherous waters to navigate
0: yeah i've i've heard people say that that print runs can be a a daunting task in general and yeah and i think with something like this you know you're and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you you know, you're putting out a quality product, but you're not, um, you're doing it as sort of, like you said, for Zine Month and and as a way to just sort of do something fun. And is am I sort of correct there
1: in what uh, I'm reading into this? Uh, so Cloud C, is, so to compare it to Cloud C, because that's the natural thing. They're both Kickstarters. I did one first. This is my second. Uh, Cloud C, I wanted to get on a soapbox and write a message. With malpractice, I want to be able to, as you said, do something fun, but also learn a lot. It's it's a learning process, and it's the uh, sort of thing that I want to be able to get a few different things working, uh, especially this card-based system, because I've been able to, in playtesting, I've used Python uh, to create a deck simulator. <laughs> And, uh, with the help of a friend, went ahead and t- and took a look at some of the different perks, for example, that uh, would be would be used in the game and to see how successful they'd be. So, for example, just at the start of each day, you start with fifty two cards in your deck and you have to choose a number of cards to draw, hope you get more hearts than spades. That sounds like a fifty fifty chance. <laughs> especially if you have no information. Once you add in the perk that lets you draw 10 cards and take a look at those cards, you automatically have a, about a 66% chance of just drawing a deck that has a winning hand. It gets easier from there. It's wow. meant as a power fantasy. Uh, just to give the an example of some of the numbers I've played with, if you wanted to, if I wanted to draw five cards, for example, uh, that is about a fifty-five percent chance of just drawing a winning hand right there and being able to say, "Yes, I keep this hand." Wow, that's
2: I. Probability is—it's just a weird thing, and like you said, it, it can be really daunting to, to crunch numbers sometimes like that.
1: It's—it's uh, <laughs> it's hard. I—I I will admit didn't do it alone uh, i i had help with the programming but going about it 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 helped me create a better game and and just like you said i want to put out a quality product i don't want to put out something that's uh i i wanted to do something short but that doesn't mean i wanted to do something that's of lesser quality
2: no i i yeah i don't think length equates to quality in any frame in- in game design, you know, sometimes in, in game design, honestly, less is more, but, uh, so do you want to kind of then get into, to kind of your, your journey as an indie developer or, or, you know, and we can kind of bounce back and forth because, you know, since we had you on the first time, you know, we've had numerous conversations, you know, we've gotten to know you some more. And while Cloud C was your first what do you want to say? Self-published project, if you want to call it that, or the first project where your name was the big one on the cover? That wasn't actually the first thing you'd ever worked on, was it? Oh no,
1: no, no. I've I was a writer for roughly seven years beforehand. Okay. Uh, I started with uh, writing writing at least, not playing uh, RPGs with Wayfinder, actually. Uh, If you're familiar with the Wayfinder fanzine for. The Wayfinder fanzine for. Well, Pathfinder and Paizo. It uh, goes on once a year, and each year it does a different topic. Uh, Completely fan made. People aren't, uh, as far as I know, aren't getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the first things that I did there was not actually RPG stuff, but. I wrote a, well, yes, RPG stuff, but I wrote a poem, and I wrote a city write-up, Cavapesta uh, in the nation of Ustalov, for those familiar with the Galarian setting. And it sort of kicked off from there. Uh, I, I played a lot of Pathfinder Society, and eventually I, I met the right people who got me into third-party stuff, and from there, I basically asked someone, I'm, I'm going to leave this part anonymous because it's not... <laughs> I, I, I was a dumb kid who decided, hey, I'll work for credit. Uh, my advice to anybody looking to get into any sort of writing, never do that. You are selling yourself short. Um, so I will keep that anonymous, uh, this, but I started working for credit uh, as an editor.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, from there, I did that for a few months, got to know the right people. And at that point, I met one person whose name you might know because he is very successful right now, Jay Gray. Mm-hmm. And we he was sort of my mentor throughout things. Uh, here I am some teenager uh, who doesn't know a thing or two uh, about how to write products. And he helped me along the way. Now he's doing cyberpunk red. He's doing, uh, he did uh, castle Falkenstein. Uh, he's with Art Toss, uh, And I, he, it is amazing to see how much he has grown.
2: Yeah. He's what he's the line lead. I think for castle Falkenstein, he's head of, I know he's like the social media PR guy for, for our Talsorian as well.
1: Uh, n- needless to say, I'm extremely happy to see how uh, how he's gone, because, again, he he's my mentor. I've had other mentors since him, but it's amazing to see somebody that you know and care about get to such a position, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was through him that I got introduced to a company called Fat Goblin Games. And all the great people there, Rick Hershey, who's the head of Fat Goblin Games, also amazing, amazing illustrator, did quite a bit of the art for Cloud C. And my first project there was actually a campaign setting called Shadows Over Vathic.
2: Okay. I've not, I've not heard of that one, but...
1: Uh, gothic slash uh, Lovecraftian horror. Okay and i got started writing pathfinder archetypes this was my first real job with writing and from there it sort of exploded and i I got to do more and more projects for different companies usually uh, fat goblin but uh i would go over to wayfinder every now and then to submit something else and eventually it This is where things take a bit of a turn. I got burned out. Mm -hmm. I burned out completely. I took on too much at once. And it weighed heavy on me. I felt like I couldn't do it anymore. And I learned something important because I basically took a year off from writing. Uh, And that's how to better balance things. Better balance social life, uh, schooling, uh, writing, uh, how not to take on so much and how not to be that yes man who goes to says yes to every single project you're faced with. You've, uh, and I've learned how to in that time learn my limits.
2: Well, I think that's, that's something we all need to pay attention to just, you know, like you said, maintaining a balance there, be it work, life, fun, whatever. And through conversations we've had you're not alone in that. I mean, even professional designers, you know, uh, when we spoke with Jay Little, he told us, you know, he pushed himself so hard working on the Star Wars engine for Fantasy Flight Games that he ended up being in the hospital for several months with a heart attack. And, And obviously, he was, you know, a professional designer at that point, but it still speaks to how easily you can just push yourself too hard and like you said say yes to everything and then you're like well but I have to do all this and or I'm going to let people down and and pretty soon you know you're just you're swimming in it and it's it's more than you can handle.
1: Yes, it's it's definitely something that I am not alone in. I know that for sure because I've had conversations with both bigger names and smaller names about the stresses that we put on ourselves and it's it's amazing how ubiquitous it is, Uh and not just in RPGs uh, uh sure. in, in general, but it's the uh, RPGs are, is where I know this particular stress from, and so that's what I relate it to. Though, I did eventually come back. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think, you know, if Steve and I have learned anything, talking to the people we have over the time doing this podcast it's that the people who are doing 99 percent of the the work in the rpg industry are not doing it for the paycheck it's it's a labor of love that they all consider themselves fortunate enough to get and you know and in, in, in actually in most cases that so to speak they they still have a day job but they do enough uh, of the rpg stuff that you know, they can make a little bit of money out of it to at least, you know, so to speak, not have it be a, a, a drain on them, so to speak.
1: Yes. Uh, like I've said this before. Uh, I, I don't do it for, I don't, I don't do it for that. Uh, if I wanted to do something for the paycheck, I'd uh, go ahead and probably drop RPGs altogether and go on to <laughs> work at literally anywhere. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, the very of the old joke is how do you make a mil- million dollars in RPGs? Start with two million. <laughs> but uh No, and, and that's you know what I think it's 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 interesting to hear though, just because like, yeah, I, I think a lot of people and I know, you know, I had this impression, especially when I was younger, you know, you, you see these names on these books and you're like, Oh, they must be, you know, whatever, you know, these, you know, amazing you know, whatever, and yes, they're they're amazing people. I don't mean that, but like, you know, they're normal people, just like all the rest of us. That they just happen to have written this thing that someone else liked, you know, enough to to put it out, or you know, they were in a fortunate enough spot where they could put it out themselves, whatever. But a lot of work went into it to get to that point. You know, very seldom is it, oh, I just wrote this thing and suddenly somebody wants to publish it and Whatever, you know success i I don't think there are too many overnight successes in this this industry,
1: yeah. the the people who are uh, the the bigger names, I would say, they worked so hard to get there. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, I, like yes, you have your one in a million. Uh, but in general, these are people who have worked at it for your. Quite some time before getting to where they
2: are well i think you have some too where you know they've done smaller projects like like you said you're you're doing here with with malpractice and then that got them noticed because there was some little something in it that somebody else thought oh that's that's brilliant that's genius because that's the other thing that that i've noticed is that the rpg community does tend to be very what do you want to say network intensive in the in that. Be it like you said, you know, you started off, you know, Jay Gray mentored you and, you know, you've worked with Rick Hershey and, and I'm sure other people as well. And, and that leads to connections and then those connections lead to connections and, you know, it just snowballs.
1: Uh, most certainly. It's it's definitely so last year was the best uh, year for me in RPGs as far as. Not just pay, but as far as putting out projects that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say I didn't like my work before last year. (laughs) I just want to make that clear. But being able to write passion projects. Boricubos was uh, a a setting for 5e, uh, Pathfinder 1 and Pathfinder 2 that was based on the Caribbean pre-Columbus era. Okay. Uh, Cloud C, I got to do that. Uh, And uh, 1984 Cloud Punk, or I I like to call it Hope Punk, did not invent that, by the way. A setting in which you uh, have all these themes going on, and uh, it's, it's just amazing to see how things have changed for me. And going into this year, I see... In my future, things getting even better uh, as far as that goes. So you're right. It is definitely a snowball with all the people I'm meeting, all the projects that I'm getting. Uh, right now, I can say that I am taking on a, a, a few smaller projects that have gotten me to be able to meet several people that I'm going to enjoy working with in the future.
2: Cool. So... Is is Malpractice, then, your first real venture away from kind of the F20, you know, be it 5e and Pathfinder stuff, or ha- have you kind of ventured away from that
1: before? Well, uh, I t- I have, though those products have not been released yet. Aha. Uh, there is a system that I have created uh, that I've dubbed Roll2, and I think I showed old Steve a little bit of it, uh, though it's gone through revisions since then.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember you sending me a message with, with a couple of things in
1: it. Uh, that was, that was my, uh, that was the phase in which I went to other people and asked like, Hey, am I crazy or does this make any sense whatsoever? (laughs) And I went on from there. I, uh, have worked on two projects for that system, again, not released. Uh, not released just yet. But going on from there, I am playing with Malpractice as a my first venture into card-based uh, systems. And from there, i've I've alluded to this, this big project, this big secret project that's going on. I don't actually have an NDA for it, because it's, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll tell a little bit about it. It's a project that uh, has the working title of Major Arcana, Welcome to Vegas. It has themes of the tarot, so Major Arcana, and lots to do with both dice mechanics, it's a dice pool game, and card mechanics well, the standard 52-deck card mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much based on a combination of Shadowrun 5th Edition and a game called PTU. Not sure if that's ever been brought up uh, here, but uh, Pokemon Tabletop United.
2: Somebody brought that up once in Game of the Week, I think. Either that or maybe you just messaged me about it one time. I, I've heard of it, but I don't, I don't recall exactly where. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't think it's ever been brought up on a podcast, but I know I've I've heard and had conversations with people about PTO. That sounds really cool. And that's I mean, I know you're not letting too much information out there, but that's I'm
1: definitely down for that. That sounds really awesome. But what I can say is that it's, uh, again, a dice bowl system uh, for the skills uh, some of the, the classes, uh, some of the classes at least use cards as for some of their mechanics, and it's a very very modular system as far as building your character goes. So just just for example, instead of uh, like in PTU and for Welcome to Vegas. Uh, instead of saying, I'm going to dip one level into Rogue, therefore I get Thieves' Cont and Sneak Attack. It's more like, I'm going to take a level in Rogue. I want Thieves' cant. Do I want Thieves' Cont? Do I want Sneak Attack? Do I want Evasion? Do I want Uncanny Dodge? Things like that.
2: Okay, okay, I get where where you're going a little bit like you can so to speak you, you you take a level and then you get to pick from a menu of things that are available at one level. yes, sounds interesting.
1: yes, it's also a nightmare to balance <laughs> uh, which is why I have set things to such that you can only combine three classes at once
2: well if if I've learned anything, it sometimes trying to have too many things in a game can make it well, usually that involves the Palladium engine, but that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, hey, look, I love, I love the Rift setting, but if there was ever a game that defined the kitchen sink of role playing, I think that's it, because that has everything in it, and the kitchen sink, and probably a couple other things that I didn't know about. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> but no, I, I just find it fascinating, you know, like, like you know, to hear kind of how this this has worked for you and, and then you know at this point you're you're wanting to to just kind of branch out into other things do you find does the system stuff really fascinate you because just having this conversation it sounds like you you kind of you're at a point you know in your design career whatever where it's it's almost like you want to play with the nuts and bolts behind it a little bit
1: oh definitely it's uh, so I have a two-pronged reason for this. One of these uh, reasons is selfish. The other is more creative.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, the selfish reason is I want to. I want to be able to at some point in my life look back and say, "Hey, as a game designer, I created my own system, and no matter how it sold." I want to be proud. I, I, I want to say I am proud that I made that. I made my own game. Uh, and not, not a smaller game. A core rule book with like 350 pages. Um, it is my system. It is my baby. Mm-hmm. That's the selfish reason. The unselfish reason, the creative reason, is I am fascinated by all these uh, different systems that I've seen. I've skimmed i've read about some of them i've played and the mechanics behind them and see how it works just take them apart try to put them back together into something comprehensible no
2: i think that's that completely makes sense right like it makes total sense to me you know and i think that like uh again i mentioned you know, the conversation we had with jay little but that was so much of, in a lot of ways some of the same things he said was that you know in the end No, he didn't do it all, but he gets to look back at this and go, yeah, I did that, you know? And, and the other thing that there's, there's that he mentioned, he said, you know, every now and then he'll get someone that comes up to him at a convention or something and says, Hey, you know, your game was, was the game that, you know, I managed to, to finally kind of have something to connect with, you know, my son or, you know, just anything like that. You know, he said in those stories that you hear about. It may not be that many people that, that really love your game, but the ones that do, he said it, it just makes you feel so so good to hear that, you know, what you did meant something to somebody else. And it sounds like, you know, that's kind of a stage further than what you've just described, but you have well, to do it before that can happen.
1: Oh, well, I actually know and empathize with that feeling. Probably not on the same scale as far as how many people have done that.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: very recently, I got the opportunity to speak with a few uh, kids in high school. Uh, I was asked to come in as like a guest speaker, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on that now. I'm working on my pro- uh, projects. And it's uh, for kids in who are in, I'll say, underserved neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And coming from such a neighborhood myself, I grew up in the Bronx, New York. Uh, it was very interesting to hear and lovely to hear that some of these kids actually heard about Cloudsea. At least one of them has a copy of Cloud C. That's cool. And to hear that they were so excited that I'd be coming in because they'd get to meet the author, somebody who's like them that's the best feeling in the world. Uh, nothing, nothing will top that. I think not even being able to look back and say, Hey, this is my system. Just being able to connect with somebody on that level.
2: Yeah. I, I can't really relate, but that does sound like that would be just an amazing, amazing feeling.
0: Yeah. That's, that's just, you know, like, like Steve said, I, I, I can't personally relate, but I understand where you're coming from and that's awesome to hear, you know? And, and honestly, you put out a good product and, and you do put out quality and you do put the work in and it shows everything every, you know, from cloud sees to this to, you know, everything we've seen, you know, you put your name on, you do put the work in and it's awesome. And, and it's why we have you on the podcast because you're, you're one of our favorite creators.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, <laughs> Believe me, I try sometimes I stumble, but I get back up and try again. well, that's you know at the end of the day that's all we can do.
0: You know what I mean Oh, exactly, like sometimes it's sometimes it's not easy, but you just gotta pick yourself up and try again and i I'm very much a brick wall person. I will slam my head against a brick wall until something works.
2: I've tried that a few times, I've got the scars to prove it, bam. <laughs>
0: My dad always used to say, you're you're the kind of person that would slam your head against a brick wall until something breaks. And I said, what do you mean? Brick wall? He goes, no, your head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but, it, you know, I think the thing is, too, is, right, you never know like, we've talked with some people that, you know, they have these games that are you know, just these little tiny projects that somehow somebody noticed it and it took off and, and you know, now they're you know, they're not, you know, making a million dollars or whatever, but but they're now you know to a stage where they can, so to speak, they can dedicate a lot more time to what they love because they're getting a return on it, and you know i I hope that that happens for you down the road, you know, because you do very clearly you know you care about what you put out, you know you want to put out a good product, but you're also you know it sounds like you're very much looking to to push yourself and learn new things and just expand your own horizon. And I think that's a, a good thing for anyone to aspire to in anything, really, not just games
1: or or whatever. Well, it, it sort of has to do with uh I, I'm sure you've heard that colloquial definition of insanity. Uh doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah, I love um, it. <laughs> I don't want to be in a place where I'm doing the same project over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And hoping that something will happen, like something, uh, something magical will happen, uh, which is why I love working out, uh, working with different people. I, I've never limited myself to one company, uh, and even when I am working for one company, I do a whole bunch of different products for them. So, for example, Legendary Games, uh, Jason Nelson, great guy. He uh, took me on uh, early on. I was doing a few magic items for him. Then I pitched my Bode Kubo setting. He took it, ran a Kickstarter for it, like $110,000 raised. And that was the biggest like financial success that like, I, I've uh, like, ever seen. Um, <laughs> and so I could have, at that point, said, I want to do another setting. Or I want to do the same setting. But no, I went on and I started doing Monsters. During that time uh, was Sea Monsters and Asian Monsters and Latin American Monsters. And now I'm doing Redacted. <laughs>
3: um,
1: but for... Uh, and then I went on to different different companies. Bloodstone, uh, Bloodstone Press, uh, also 5 e But I... Can't say much here, but I'm working for a line called Amazon's versus uh, Valkyries. Okay. Uh, So the the I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. I want to expand, which is why I'm part of the reason why I'm building these new systems and playing around with new things, and hopefully uh, something comes of it. Uh, Like if if you have to know, dream goal. I somehow get the, get an IP for uh, like, get the license to do a game for uh, uh, an RPG for uh, something that team cherry, a video game company made uh, called hollow Knight. It, that's the dream right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm not familiar with it, but
1: uh... yeah, I, I, I could see you easily making a
0: hollow Knight game. <laughs> like you're, your writing style and everything fits that perfectly yeah well i am excited and 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 hopefully you know hopefully we can get you there and and you can you know i mean obviously you're putting the work in but yeah being fans i'll keep buying your products
1: and (laughs) (laughs) yeah but for now it's uh, to bring things back right now my current projects are what i just mentioned and working with uh, those high schoolers uh two of them presidents of the D club uh at one school another group of youths at another school uh, that i'm still working out the details with but it's interesting to see that i might be I'm, I'm not gonna directly compare myself with jay but i might be that guy for these these kids and that's, that's something amazing to me.
2: Well, that's cool. That's really cool. So now you've, you've rattled off a bunch of different places you've done work for. Do you have like a a website for yourself or anything like that where people can go to find out more about you? Is that, you know?
1: That is something that is actually in the works <laughs> uh, because I have done work for many different companies uh, and it was actually suggested to me like, Hey, why don't you go ahead and like just do something simple, like use WordPress and make your own website? And I thought, like, no, that's actually not a bad idea. If I want to be professional, about uh, uh, like if I want to uh present myself in a professional manner, like just neatly organize everything. uh, And so, no, I don't have one yet.
2: That's fair. Uh,
1: It is. It is still in the works. I want it to look nice before presenting it to everyone.
2: I mean, that makes sense. I mean, heck, Steve and I don't have a website for the podcast yet either other than the feed page. So we can't really, you know, throw too many stones that direction. I was no. just, you know, asking for, you know, other people to be able to find you easier.
1: Yeah. And, and if people are looking for you, where's the best place to find you? Currently the best place to find me is interestingly enough on Facebook. However, you will find so many people with my name. Uh, <laughs> If you manage to find a Miguel Colon who's a tan-looking man with a, sh- uh, with a beard and wearing a suit and tie and looking very happy because it's his first job interview for a, quite a while, that's me.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I mean, I guess with that, uh, do you have anything more you'd like to, to say on you know, malpractice, Cloud C, anything else? Well,
1: oh, Allow me to pull out my 100-page manifesto. Oh, okay. Um,
2: okay. Here we go. <laughs> we'll just cut this into two episodes. That can be next week's show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we will call you an honorary
1: Steve and you will be the only one <laughs> on that episode. And, uh, but um, no, uh, but seriously, um, thank you for allowing me to have a voice here. Always. Yeah. yeah but... When
0: I, when I saw you had a new product coming out, I was going to message Steve and then he beat me to it. He's like, you want to have Miguel back on? I'm like, yeah.
2: <laughs> it, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. Like, like I asked Steve, like a, within a few minutes of when I messaged you. So
0: <laughs> I think you uh, probably, you probably messaged him first and then you
2: messaged me. <laughs> yeah, that's possible too.
0: No. And you, you would have just been like, Hey Steve, we're having Miguel on. And I'd known and I have a problem with that, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. and putting out a quality product, you know, it's, it's important. It, it really is.
2: Yeah. Um, am actually, I've got some ideas rolling around in my head to do something with, with, uh, with Cloud C here now. whether or not I use D and D 5e for it, I don't know, but the setting information is, is what I think is really cool about that. So that's what I intend to use for sure.
1: I mean, Hey, uh, as far as, uh, I'm concerned if uh, you can manage to use the, cloud C setting and its themes. Yeah. It's, it's not the system that's the medium for telling that story. It's, it's, well, the setting itself.
3: Right.
2: Right. And I think, you know, sometimes people, Hey, Hey, you know, I've probably gotten caught up in that myself at times going, well, I don't want to look at this cause it's in a system that's not one I like. And I'm selling myself short, so to speak, because I'm limiting what I'm looking at because I'm lumping everything together instead of going, hey, this has got some really neat themes and whatever in it that even if I don't want to use it exactly as presented, I can take those and do something that I do enjoy with it. So,
0: yeah, Yeah. with that, I think it's time
2: for Game of the Week. Ah, yes. Game of the Week.
3: Game of the Week. Game of the Week.
2: Do you remember Game of the Week, Miguel? You'll have
1: to refresh me. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, basic premises. We pick a
0: game that we've been well, either looking at recently or, or anything. You know, any type of RPG that you wanna promote or any game that you're really digging on or anything like that, and shout it out. That's basically what game of the week is. I see. Current or something that I've doesn't seen. matter. It it could be we've had games from all the way back in who he picked what?
2: Like Ghostbusters? Or so? Who picked Ghostbusters? That was Russ Morrissey. Who did Morrissey. Uh, James Bond 007, which I think has been out of print for 30 plus years? Yeah. So
0: <laughs> anything that you want to promote, any games that you're like, oh, I've been looking at this or I saw this or anything like that, go for it. Well, honestly,
1: uh, Pokemon Tabletop United has uh, okay. been mentioned, but it is a dice pool based system uh up to uh up to 66 uh <laughs> and it, it uses d6s for skills d20 for combat uh for d20 it is it is Thaco done right i would say <laughs> uh in that they explain it better it's not but it is a very fun system uh, if you at all like the idea of capturing monsters, stuff like that, the whole Pokemon shebang, it is a great system.
0: Cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, it's been on my radar and it's sort of been like I wanted to talk to somebody who played it before I sort of got into it. Because there's been other Pokemon tabletop RPGs that aren't, aren't tabletop united. And uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you mean
2: is this the one that's like an entirely like fan done web-based thing? Like there's not actually like a a printed book out there for it, but it's, it's like a,
1: there is not a printed book. There is about uh, a 500 or so page PDF of the core rule book. And then there's the, what you would basically call the bestiary, which is another 400 pages. I wouldn't expect anything less of a bestiary
0: for a Pokemon game. Steve, you, you probably remember Pokemon back in the day. They had like hundred and fifty one of them. Now we're up into what, like a thousand?
2: I remember Pokemon is the get little yellow ball with the yeah, like yeah, eye yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. that's about yeah. what I know about Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm yeah, old. I, I'm
0: sorry. I, no. It's, but yeah, Pokemon <laughs> United, I've I've been keep or Pokemon Tabletop United, I've been keeping my eye on. So it's glad to hear that it's it's a good one. So <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, very cool. You want to go, Steve, or I can go. Yeah, why don't you go? All right. I have a game, and I I don't I don't think we've talked about it. And uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I have a game called Gangbusters.
2: Mm, doesn't ring any bells.
0: Okay, it's a 1920s role playing adventure game. Uh, it's an OSR game, so it's old school revival Dungeons and Dragons style. It's a game set during the roaring 20s and dirty 30s. Um and it, it 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 has all the usual trappings of the period. So the reason I clicked on this is because I don't know why, but I've been in a mood for like old gangster movies,
3: okay. and
0: this hits that like spot on.
2: Is this the Gangbusters BX version? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's currently in the Black Creator Spotlight for Black History Month on Drive Um, very very cool game. So definitely something to check out. And yeah, I actually. I picked this up a couple of days ago and just have been reading it and like really interesting game.
2: Yeah, it does look pretty neat.
0: That's cool. So what do you got, Steve?
2: All right. Well, I actually just, and apparently this literally just dropped not even two weeks ago as we record. I thought you were going to be like, not even two hours ago. <laughs> no, it's, uh, according to drive through, this was added to their catalog on February 2nd of this year. Oh, wow. But uh, this is a little solo game. It's all of 43 pages. Hmm. And it's called Neon Road, an 80s solo, 80s style solo game. Uh, Blurb reads, it's 1985, but a very different 1985. In 1976, the Cold War turned hot as nuclear bombs fell from the sky on cities around the world, New York, London, Hong Kong, Seoul, Washington, and, and many others. And so some places were untouched. Other places became, you know, nuclear wastelands crawling with zombies and all sorts of mutants and so this is kind of a post-apocalyptic 80s dystopia cover art looks kind of cyberpunky to me yeah this this looks looks neat i'd play this but it's yeah it's intended as a just a little like solo game again 43 pages in the core rule book uh they're saying they're going to do a lot of Many, they're calling them chapbook expansions to follow, but uh, at least as we record, I don't know if the price has been permanently reduced or if it's just on sale, but the PDF will run you all of $2, actually $1.99, so not all Man, of $2. It
0: really puts a debt in a wallet. I don't know how I can.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, this just, like I said, it, it caught my eye, and uh, I mean, for 2 bucks, what the heck, right? And it's it's right. a solo thing, so you can just check it out in your spare time. Very so cool it's called Neon Road
1: Neon Road. I'll have to look that one up yeah very cool
2: well
0: with all that being said we want to thank you very much for coming on Miguel once again thank you for having me anytime as always links to everything are in the show notes you can find us here there and everywhere discord uh, Facebook Twitter uh, Patreon now so you can check out our Patreon it's in the links in the show notes we do want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs
2: yep take care y'all
0: intro and outro music by the band 12 noon you can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at and rpgs find us on facebook at Podcast. on discord at meandsteverpgs and as always all of these links are in the show notes thank you and be kind to one another
3: Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Whoa. Well. Go ahead, Steve. Because we we say- both did the well thing. <laughs> 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 we... We... <laughs>